Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's cast, Influence Through Verbal Commitments, Part 2. Okay, what you're asking, so what if I, what if I need it tomorrow? He's swamped, right? And he says he can't get it to us, say, for another two days. Haven't I kind of weakened my yeah. position by, by asking for a date and he gives me something that I can't live with? Yeah. Well, well, okay. Our recommendation there is to consider negotiating with them, with them when, when their suggestion, their answer doesn't meet with uh, your, your planning, right? But look, before we go any further, let's remember something. Now, when we get that question, the question you just asked, Mike, it's amazing. It's, it's, I don't mean to be rude, but that is the most selfish question in the world. It's literally as if, well, excuse everyone, me. everyone should buy into my worldview, right? Yeah. But let's remember something. We're no longer discussing at this point whether or not something is going to get done, but rather when it's going to get done. Look, this is an enormous leap forward. Right. And there are managers who say, well, he's going to have it in two days. Well, screw you. They get ticked about the fact that this person has agreed to help, but not helping fast enough. So therefore, I'm not very happy about that. Well, no offense. If you look at somebody go, well, that doesn't work for me. How motivating is that? They'll say, well, fine. I thought I could help. But if that doesn't work, okay, find somebody else to do it. Right. It's, it's an enormous leap forward to be talking about when something can be done rather than whether or not it's going to be done at all. At that moment, when we're at the point of being able to discuss when it might get done, we ought to be willing to reward them by trusting them to figure out what they can do and by when, rather than implying, now, okay, now you've said yes, now let me imply my specific planning framework on top of your work, which I have no idea what it's about and which you don't have any sense of what my planning framework is. It's simply wrongheaded to say, once a person says yes, we get to define the deadline. Now, look. I'm not saying you won't tell them when you need it. I'm, we're saying start by asking them, okay, when can you have it done? Rely on the fact that they've already made a verbal commitment and wait to hear what they have to say. If in fact they were to say, how about I have it back to you at dinner time tonight? And you think to yourself, holy Toledo, I didn't need it until tomorrow evening. I thought they were going to say they need, they're going to give it to me in a week. What's better? You telling them I need it tomorrow or next week or them actually saying a time on their own that meets our criteria, right? It's right. way better for them to state it. That's something that they've thought through relative to their workload, which we can't know. So think of it this way. They're going to help us do something that has little value to them or relatively less value to them than it does to us. It makes little sense for us to apply our deadline to them without respect to their situation. Now, look, there's also somebody saying, well, there is value, right? There is value in them because they know there's a quid pro quo coming. They know they'll be able to ask me for something later. But people don't say yes and agree on a time because of a quid pro quo, because in the moment, a person is saying, I, you know, I've got to figure out how to do this and when to do it. I'm thinking about getting through this task rather than about the benefit to me later, right? It's like, hey, I'll trade you. I'll trade you one. If you give me a hamburger today, I'll give you two hamburgers tomorrow kind of thing. So look, when we don't have any role power, we ought to admit it. When we need others help, we ought to admit it. We're in a position of weakness. They know it, right? If we then force and say, well, this is how it should be, um, we're essentially, the moment they say yes, we're going back to a position of strength. It literally devalues the yes they just gave us. 
and it's hurtful to the relationship as well. Um, it's a small pinch, but nonetheless, it's a pinch. And I think we've shared at least once before something called the pinch crunch model, which is, you know, you don't want too many pinches without renegotiation. Should we inquire about their situation, you know, so we can suggest a deadline that might work for them? No. Right. Oh, sure. We're going to, Hey, tell me what your workload is and you know, so on. Well, if they tell us their workload is really busy, we're not going to believe them. We're still going to want to try to push our agenda. They're going to see that as manipulation or as us trying to learn something to help us get what we want. They know their calendar better than we do. It's their calendar that'll drive their work. Our calendar won't drive their work. Their calendar will drive their work. So let them choose what they can commit to. Again, it's another verbal commitment. They've already committed once. They professionally engage with us now. They know they're professionally engaged. They've made a commitment. It's unlikely they're going to suggest an impossibly long turnaround. Okay. Well, let's go back though, because that that was the crux of my question earlier. Right. What if right. what if I need it tomorrow and they you know they commit to something three or four days out? It's not going to work for me. What do I do? Yeah. Well, first of all, let's go back. Right. M- remember, we're still in a better place. They're doing it. Yeah. Okay. I, right. I got it. Be, be careful of making the perfect the enemy of the good. Right. They're going to do do it. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to do it. Let's start with, let's not renegotiate it all. Right. They're going to do it and they're going to make you late. Well, first of all, no offense, folks, but you've been late before. In fact, in our experience, you've been late a lot, as have we. We're not, we're not chastising you and you're still around. Surely you can't do it yourself. Right. I assume that's the case because you're asking somebody else. I could. I wouldn't be asking. All right. Yeah. And you can't do it by yourself either by the deadline or not by the deadline. Right. True. And so the question becomes for somebody with no role power isn't whether it will be on time, but whether it will get done at all. So therefore, when they suggest, let's say I I need it, let's say today's Monday and I need it noon Wednesday and they say I can have it to you Friday, say, okay, I appreciate that. I really need it by Wednesday noon. Is there any way you could consider making that happen faster? Now, at this point, we're again at risk. We're, we're at risk that they'll say no. And then, then we have to go and say, well, okay, if that's the best you can do, that's the best you can do. And at least you know in advance that this particular part of the project is going to slip. And, and this is probably not terribly persuasive, but I will share it. You know, Horseman's Law, Project Management, who does what by when. The vast majority of managers that we know working on projects literally do not check that stuff gets done. They don't set deadlines for all the tasks or, or if there are deadlines for every single task, they don't go to somebody when the task is not done and and say, you know, why isn't it done or, or check on what the new deadline is going to be. They ask an awful lot, how's the project going? And the person says, fine. Um, which is to say, you know, probably not well in some fashion. And so the idea that, you know, in advance, you're going to be two days late is not inherently a bad thing for the practice of project management as it exists today in the organizational world that that we live in. Now we have people all the time say to us, Oh, you don't understand what a gigantic failure it'll be to miss a deadline. I mean, and yet at the same time, everybody raises their hand when I say, how many of your projects routinely miss deadlines? Do all of them miss deadlines? And they all, everybody raises their hand. Of course they do. It's just a matter of planning around the fact that you can't do it, that means you don't have the ability to make it happen on your own, so you're going to have to rely on somebody else, so you've got some risk associated with the project. And and that's why managers want more role power, right? They want to eliminate that risk. They want to be able to tell people, hey, you will do it. The sad part of it, even is when I have role power and I ask yeah. my directs to do it, I still get stuff late. So. Yeah, exactly. So this is no different. Yeah. And and look, um, if, I, if I tell them Wednesday, I, I really need it Wednesday, and they've already committed to a date, 
I suspect what they'll do is get closer to the deadline. And the outcome is either they're going to have it done by Friday or they're going to have it done sooner than that because I've asked them, hey, I need it Wednesday. And they say, well, okay, I can really try hard to have it done by Thursday at the end of the day. Okay, great. That's the outcome. And that only would have occurred, we believe, by asking them first rather than saying, this is what I need. And we now know what we can hold them accountable for. Right. And the fact that it's not perfect is, is okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's better than the other outcome, which is I don't have anybody doing the work. Exactly. Yeah. And we don't do anything to hurt the relationship. In fact, we build the relationship. So we have a tactical win as well as a strategic win. Yeah. It's interesting. If you're doing a lot of matrix uh, projects and you, and you understand where we're coming from here and you buy into it, then you might just want to think a little bit about building more relationships. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, separate from asking about tasks, right? It's literally reaching your hand across the aisle and saying, hey, how's it going? Pretty tough to do. Okay, I even hate to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Can I get more compliance with my request by, I don't know, some implied threat, for example? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a lot of roll power, sure. Well, I got no roll power, so let's, let's start there. Obviously, we don't think, we never think implying threats is a good thing. We, we don't think if you're going to fire somebody that you're threatening to fire them when you say, look, if your behavior doesn't change, I will terminate you. That's not a threat. That's simply a professional communication about future outcomes based on present situations. It's a prediction of the future. It's, it's, it's a forecast. If managers are saying to directs who, who are doing poorly and have been doing poorly uh, while being coached for quite a while and the manager's doing their best, if managers are communicating, hey, if, if you don't change in the next three, four, five months after I've been working with you for three or four or five months already, I may have to terminate you. If you're communicating that w- with an intent to be threatening, um, then we we apologize that you think you get learned that from us because we don't recommend that. Threats are unprofessional. They're vulgar. Um, we don't recommend them. Actually, it's it's something different, Mike. What happens is managers go over, executives go over, and they're busy, and they act as if, you know, it should just happen because of who I am, and they're short, and they're overly crisp to the point of being terse, and they imply by their body language that even though I don't have role power over you, I have a lot of power in the organization relative to you, and you ought to do this just because I'm the one talking to you. But look, the fact is, no matter how powerful we are in the organization, in this particular moment, what we're saying is you have no power over this person and their compliance, right? Because role power produces compliance. Look, think of it this way. When was the last time you had no power and you expressed anger because you thought that would help your situation and that in fact did help your situation? can't think of it actually yeah yeah that's the thing just because you think it might i mean oh well actually i did think in the moment that i expressing my anger would be helpful but in the long run of course you learned it didn't it's important to be as a professional to be emotionally mature and to be emotionally in concert with the honesty and frankly the weakness of the ass that we're making so relax maybe you'll get help maybe you won't But you can't force it because you don't have the authority to force it. Trying to force something that you don't actually have the real power to force is a sign, really not of power, but of desperation. So smile. Practice asking without stress or tension. Don't think that you can imply how important something is by being brusque or filled with tension as if, you know, my tension will show to them, I really have to have this fast, right? 
What you're doing when you do that is communicating what I want is more important than what the other person might be doing. It's arrogant and we've seen it. It's ineffective. And let me take it to the nth degree. If you're told no, smile, say thanks for listening, if you will, and walk away. Say thanks for the chance to talk to them about it. And then go back to your desk and think about somebody else to ask or think about a different way of asking that person, right? And if you get told no a lot, as you just said, Mike, you got to start building relationships. Otherwise, you're you're not going to get the things done you want to get done. Yeah, good point. This kind of reminds me of that you're saying thanks, right? And then walking away kind of reminds me of an experience we had where actually this manager, this project manager, right, went to one of his associates and asked him to do some work. It was fairly significant. And I think you'll remember this incident. And he asked this guy to, to step up and do something fairly significant. And it meant some sacrifice on this guy's part. And then the guy said, yes, right? So great, big success there. And then all he said was, good, I'll send you the stuff. And then walked away. It's like, man, you should have seen the look on this guy's face. I mean, I, I'm sure right. you remember it. It was yeah, awful. How about a thank you or something? <laughs> yeah, look, you're in this situation, we're weak. We're, we're going to ask. We have to avoid the anger, the tension. That means our demeanor ought to be courteous. And thank you is really required in situations like this. You know, something like, I really appreciate your help. I'll be glad to reciprocate when I can. I appreciate your, your, your efforts or uh, I'm in your debt or, you know, thank you. I won't forget. And when you, when you say, oh, well, you're good. I'll, good. I'll send you the stuff. And you walk away. You're implying that you assumed their compliance because of your role power. Right. It's an assumption of role power. Even yeah, though you, you didn't have a situation. You literally <laughs> take everything away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Here it is. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to ask. And then at the end, I'm just going to imply a, imply that I had role power. Yeah, that, that hurts. Folks <laughs> Folks do not like that. Now, you, I want to go back to something you just said. You, you said something like, uh, thanks, I appreciate your help, or something along those lines. And then you said something about being willing to reciprocate later on if you could. Well, okay, I'm sure somebody's asking the question, well, what if they come back and they ask more than I asked for, right? Where I've, I've implied some kind of reciprocation. They come back and ask me for something bigger, something that takes more time. It's more of an inconvenience. Yeah. What then? Well, okay. My first thought is, according to whom? Right? I mean, yeah. Good everyone always thinks the quid pro quo. Look, if I ask you to do something, I'll ask you for X, and I don't have to do X, and you do X, and then you ask me for Y as part of the, the end result of the quid pro quo. By definition, I'm having to do Y. Y takes me more time than X took me because I didn't do X, you did. Right. Now, if we're going to compare hours, he spent two hours, but he's asking me for four and I outrank him. So that makes it even the four even worth six or eight. Okay. If you want to do that kind of calculus, we're not going to argue with it. Feel free to go through life doing that kind of calculus and see how far you get in organizations where you don't have role power. Our argument is... You won't get very far. Well, I'd argue it's even unknowable, right? It's like that's saying, you know, it's it's always easy for the person who doesn't have to do it. Yeah. You have no idea. I asked you how to do something. I think it's two hours. You know, it could be four hours. It could be five. It could be 10 hours. You really don't know. Yeah. So, look, we recommend just saying yes when they come back and be glad you had that debt to repay. Because what happens is when you when you actually have to repay the debt in a quid pro quo, right? Somebody says, well, you scratch my back. I'll scratch yours or I'll do something for you later. The fact is you wouldn't have that debt if they hadn't taken care of you earlier and you've already forgotten 
The moment they say yes and they do it, you've forgotten about the fear of the risk of failure because you've moved on. And this is a reminder that the, the way to motivate yourself to do it is to remind you, remind yourself what the risk was of failure if this person hadn't helped you out earlier. Look, the debt you're repaying, the work you're going to do, and the ask you made earlier that they helped you with go together, right? For instance, you, your house and your mortgage might be different things, but they go together. You know, you can't sleep under the mortgage, but you can't sleep under your roof without the mortgage either, right? If you think people will take more than they give later, that's certainly a risk. And so therefore, go ahead and try not asking. Okay. Well, that's, right? It doesn't work. I mean, yeah, work. okay. You want the house, but you don't want the mortgage. Oh, well, <laughs> how convenient of you. Oh, sure. No, you can, you can have the benefit without the cost. Sure. That's the way the world is. Let's just go through life and get all the benefits without the cost. I wish you had told me that I could do this earlier because I just, you know, signed paperwork. I'm, I'm buying my mother a retirement house. I just signed the paperwork yesterday. So yeah, I hope it was a big mortgage and I hope it was uh, subprime. So that way you can just walk away from it. And there you go. It's fine. Okay, right. I mean, stop. you get that, you get the house. I mean, stop. we don't want you out. Of, we don't want you out of your house. So stop. You're just, don't, just don't yep. pay your mortgage. If you're underwater, geez, just don't pay your mortgage because, yeah. because I can't think of any other assets people have that depreciate like cars, for instance, and everything else in the house, TVs and computers and everything else. Anyway. You're just trying to get me, you're trying to get some excitement in my voice because you know that this particular topic can get me excited. So nah, yeah. We're, we're not going <laughs> to go there. So, yeah. So, I wish you had told me earlier because I, I, maybe I, maybe I could have tried. I could have done the ask. I could have asked for the uh, roof without the mortgage. That would have made me happy, but unlikely to happen. So, let me ask you. This person has kind of done us a favor, right? We don't have any rule power I, and you might rebel against the term favor, but I'm going to use that for now. Okay. This person has done me a favor. I've asked them. Matter of fact, I've, they said yes. I've asked them for a specific date. And whether I got the exact date I want or not, doesn't matter. I got a date that I can live with. So because they've done me a favor then, you know, it feels a little odd kind of holding them accountable. So we just kind of assume they're going to deliver for us? I, I'm not sure. Um, assume they're going to deliver? What, what, I mean, sure. If I tell you I'm going to do X by Tuesday, you can assume I'll do X by Tuesday. Okay. And what happens if they don't do it on by Tuesday? Now, now... You know, when I ask them a favor, they don't they don't uh, deliver. It feels a little hard holding them accountable for that. What do I do if they don't deliver by Tuesday? Ah, yeah. And this is what's interesting. You said favor, and that's really where people fall apart on this. I believe. Now, I could be wrong. I don't know. I'd I'd love to hear from some people. Uh, I think when we do this, when we b- because we don't, I, mean, I think people mature. And when you don't have any role power as a child or as a young adult growing up with, with friends or business associates when you're not a manager, the common currency for having other people do things for us, uh, currencies are relationships and reciprocity. I do something for you and then, you know, I scratch your back and you scratch mine, right? And everybody wants to be friends with the person who always seems to say yes and never ask for anything in return. And there's a lesson there too, folks. So we literally don't have a model for this kind of professional behavior until we uh, have a lot of professional experience. Right? Don't you don't you love the fact that I threw favor out there? It's just I mean, that was a softball, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's lovely because yeah. because look, now we've made it not professional. What you've said with favor, which is in the heads of lots of people as they're listening to this, right? Do me this favor. 
take care of this for me. Although, um, if anyone out there is listening, thinking this sounds a lot like the, de- a lot like the delegation model, you're darn right. It sounds a lot like the delegation model. This is managerial communications. This is persuasive communications. All this dumb, all the stuff we recommend comes from solid fundamental theory. And then we make it real by describing specific ways to put it in place. And we say, you don't ask somebody to do you a favor or ask to do some work for you. You simply delegate the responsibility. But look, if the two models you have are role power and favors, if you don't have role power, you see it as a favor and you wouldn't go back and ask a friend, hey, you said you'd do it. How come you haven't, right? People don't communicate that way about favors. But here's the problem. This is neither a favor nor a role power compliant request or a statement or, or order. It's not, it's not an order. It is a professional commitment. That's what it is. Now, role power creates professional commitments as a nature of organizational power. But you can have organizational, you can have professional commitments without role power and without reciprocity. They agreed to the deadline. They professionally committed to a deadline and to doing it. Why, for heaven's sakes, would we then have any qualms about checking with them if the deadline arrives and they haven't yet completed their work, right? Think of it this way. Do you routinely promise things hoping no one will check to see if they're done because you didn't really mean it to begin with? The whole point of the verbal commitment, if you read influence or anything else, the whole point of the verbal commitment is it's a professional commitment and it obligates you as the asker to go back and check because now there is a, what amounts to an ethical contract. It's not an organizational role power driven contract. It's an ethical contract between you and them. And your part of the contract of facilitating the contract is closing the loop with them. And frankly, if somebody doesn't work for you, but they've made an ethical contract to you and, and, and their ethical contract is I'll have a done, but they didn't say, I'll give it to you by that time. I'll deliver it to you already done. You're not checking up on them to see if they failed. You're simply making it easier for them by eliminating their need to report to you. And you're taking the reporting into your own hands, right? Look, it's far more likely that when you commit to something that you have done your work, but simply haven't reported on it. Or look, if you really haven't done what you promised, Isn't it reasonable? Do do you consider somebody to be rude or unprofessional to come and remind you of the deadline in a professional and polite way? No, I'd I'd much prefer they remind me so I can actually get it done. Yeah. And look, if somebody's going to be rude or mean about it, uh, look, yeah, well, let me say this. When you you say that, I'm like, yeah, that's our experience working together. If I say to you, hey, where are we on this? The first thing you do is say, I'm I'm sorry, I, I blew it. I'm wrong. And it's actually a moment to build a relationship rather than to tear down the relationship. So look, folks, go to people you've asked who've made a verbal commitment because you've asked them, right? You didn't force them. You didn't assume. You didn't imply. You didn't threaten. You asked, and they stated their willingness. Go to them shortly after the deadline. There are organizational cultures where you could ask by email, but we'd still suggest a face-to-face if you can do it. And you can do one of two things. You can either make a statement, hey, I'm here to check on the status of task A on Project X, right? Or you can ask, have you finished up on task A? Now, look, if, if you have to ask because they haven't reported completion to you, there's a fair chance the task isn't done. Be ready for that. And yeah, it's possible they haven't done anything and you have more risks than you did when you asked them. And you're probably going to wish they had said, I can't help you. But look, folks, if wishes were horses, beggars would ride. You are where you are. Embrace reality. If you could have done it yourself, We're guessing you would have, but apparently you asked them, so you didn't, you couldn't. 
maybe you can file away. There's not as they're not as professional as you'd like, and you might choose if this happens repeatedly to steer clear of them in the future. Or maybe what you'll be do is be even smarter and begin really investing in the relationship so the strength of the relationship is even more compelling to them so that when they promise you something, they really will commit. But the question now is, to, to coin a phrase, <laughs> what's the best approach to get our late task done, right? And so, look, we this is a professional commitment they made. Uh, we're both professionals. So we recommend being frank about the result of their lateness. You know, it's project risk. It's nothing, it's not, nobody's going to get fired or, oh my God, I can't believe you let me down, right? It's just project risk. Yeah. I wonder if listeners know what's coming now, right? Because this, this seems, it seems like um, just a moment for feedback. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but right, it's pure feedback, right? right? All you have to do is deliver steps two and three of the standard four-step feedback model. And steps two and three are what we call the peer feedback model. It was, let's make it real clear though, because you said the peer feedback model. I think some folks might assume that, hey, you, you know, I'm the project manager, even though it's a matrix organization, you've committed to me to do this work. And so in the context of this commitment, I am your manager and I would give the four step feedback model. Yeah. In the context of this commitment, I am your manager is a completely false statement. <laughs> yeah. It just is, right? Okay. Project manager. I mean, you, the first time you make some person who wants to get promoted a project manager and they see that word manager and they think, in the, they, they actually think, in the context of this, oh, I yeah. am your manager. Absolutely. I said that for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly and, and, and the person looks at him and goes, You're only my manager. If I agree to it and or the organization says so, and the organization doesn't say to, say so, and I can assure you, any brand new project manager who says I'm a manager, I'm not going to say so. Yeah, I right. know my manager and you, yeah. sir, are and, not and my you manager. you, sir, are not him. <laughs> yeah. So, look, it's all it is is a simple cause and effect. It, it might sound like this. Hey, just so you know, missing this deadline puts me 10 days behind schedule. I just wanted to share that with you. Or, hey, no offense. Not having that means I have to delay the client meeting. That's all. I don't ask first. I don't ask them to change their behavior afterwards. I just share the outcome of their behavior. I'm not trying to be rude. It's, it's completely reasonable for me to do this. And other professionals will acknowledge that. Yep, you're right. I'm sorry. I said I'd do it and I haven't done it. Is that sufficient? Though? I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, but is that sufficient? They've missed, they've missed a deadline. I've given them some peer feedback model steps two and three of the standard feedback model. Am I now then at the mercy of when they decide to get it to me? No, it's, it's, it's not sufficient, but, but I, I think it's important. Oh yeah. Um, I, I think what, what's important about it is it is the professional way to start. And then what we've got to do is we've got to ask for a new deadline, right? We're back to where we started. The work isn't done. We can't compel. We still need help and it's time to ask again. But since they've already made a commitment to help, the only question now is time. And so I say, when can you have it done? What can you handle as a new deadline? And look, some of you may be thinking, well, sounds pretty direct. <laughs> that sounds pretty. We'd suggest it's not direct. Earlier, we were asking from a position of weakness, again, the absence of role power, what's changed other than our risk because we're behind schedule? And the answer is nothing. We're not being direct. We're not implying forcefulness by asking for a new commitment. We're giving them the opportunity to meet their obligation while gaining enough information. We need to know what, what the, what the risk to our project, what the risk to our, our larger work piece is, right? To determine how other work that we're obligated for ought to be handled in light of this slippage. And, and look, there's not a person listening that doesn't, that can say, I've every single project, I've met every single deadline. People do this all the time. Projects are, 
a series of tasks that all have deadlines. And the moment deadlines start being missed, the project becomes fluid and we begin to literally do a form of emotional and professional and work, work scheduling calculus about how much time various things will take and when we're best doing them. And this is just another part of that complex math we do in our head to see whether or not we can figure out how to tighten the schedule in a way that'll get us done. Yeah. And just, just, just standard project management stuff happens all the time. Yeah. Right? Risk management. It's project management and risk management. That's yeah. all it is. That, yeah. That's all it is. So we hold people accountable. We say, Hey, um, have you done it? I came by to get the stuff. Uh, I didn't, didn't get it. And, and they say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm delayed. I'm delayed. Hey, that's okay. And you should know when we, when this happens, you know, uh, cause we're late now, I'm about 10 days behind schedule. When can you have it done? Don't think that because they've let you down. Now you've, you've, you've gained one point of role power. You start over again. You ask the question again and you do some form of renegotiation about the deadline. And when they say, well, I still need 10 days because I haven't started, say, gosh, I'm, I'm at a great deal of risk here. Can you do any better than that? And if they can't, they can't. And yes, if it happens three or four times, yes, start asking somebody else or be cautious about your interactions with them. If you only can ask them, if they're the only person to ask. And yes, I know there are limited resources out there that, well, Mark, I have to ask this person. They're the only person who's authorized to do this and it takes forever and they're unprofessional and so on. Okay. Then probably everybody else is dealing with that. Or if somebody else is not dealing with that from somebody who's a limited or rare resource, it's probably because they have a great relationship with them and maybe you ought to start investing in their relationship. Yeah. So wrapping up, look, you can't always use role power, even though we don't recommend role power that much. Don't make more than a briefcase, right? Three or five, five sentences. Ask for a commitment. Make sure it's a question. Can you do this? Don't ask for a favor. Don't ask for them to do it for you. If for some reason they say yes, and then they give you a deadline that's way, that's not acceptable or, or, or you, you hope could be better, negotiate with them and say, hey, look, I'd like it sooner than that. Can you have it Wednesday rather than Friday? Be nice. Don't get mad. Don't imply threats. That's all role power stuff. It doesn't work. Please say thank you. Someone's helped you. Don't dismiss their help. Um, if you want more help, reward the help. Uh, and then hold them accountable. You know, give them some peer feedback and ask for a new deadline if they don't meet your deadline. And try not to get angry again because it doesn't work. It's not effective. Uh, it might feel good in the moment, but you'll regret it later. Yeah, after, after going through all this, it just reminds me how much easier it would be if people we could just if we could just order people around all the time <laughs> yeah it, it would be yeah sure uh, welcome to the dictatorship but look we can't uh, uh we can't and part of being an adult is embracing reality and, and that means being a professional embracing reality accept the limitations we ought to accept the limitations we have rather than trying vertical leadership techniques try influencing strategies and then when you've gotten good at that Use it even when you do have role power. That is influencing. And frankly, we haven't said it yet, I don't think, here in this cast. That is what executive leadership is. Yeah, you let the secret out. You let the big secret out of the bag. Yeah, the big influ the big thing here is this is how executives interact with one another. They don't have role power. Uh, um, somebody once told me there are five different levels of generals in the army. How do they all work together? Well, you don't pull rank on a two-star general if you're a three-star general. The EVP doesn't say to the SVP, hey, you need to do this because I rank you by an E, right? They don't do that. They negotiate. They ask. They ask for verbal commitments. And you don't get to be an executive in most cases unless your word is worth something and you don't make verbal commitments without being serious about it. And then you keep them. 
Yeah. So you mean this is a skill that I should develop even as a junior manager, huh? Yep. Oh, yeah. The faster you develop this as a junior manager, the faster you get better at it, and the sooner you'll be seen as having the influencing skills across the organization, which, of course, for so many of us in our silos, as we go up the organization, we get to the top, and we don't have the relationships built. And if we haven't done this, we don't have the skill at getting things done across the organization. And that's when managers who have become executives perhaps too soon or with less skills than they need, that's when they struggle. Good. Stay with us, folks. We got a lot more to cover. Yeah, we sure do. (laughs) All right. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, partner. Bye. Thanks, everyone. That's it. If you haven't been to discussion forums lately, please join us. www.managertools.com forward slash forums. Hope to see you there. So long, folks.